From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this edition, are pollsters intentionally overstating the support for Joe Biden and other Democratic candidates with the goal of discouraging Republican turnout? We'll find out when we uh, talk with Jim Lee of Susquehanna Polling and Research. He joins us in just a moment. And another record, the Bureau of Economic Analysis estimating real GDP growth in the third quarter was a whopping 7.4%, the highest ever recorded. We'll get more on the economic recovery from Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, as well as get his take on whether or not the big three tech firms that were before the Commerce Committee yesterday were shooting straight with lawmakers. Also, the third night of rioting in Philadelphia, despite the curfew, which resulted in at least one church being burned to the ground. Isolated incident, or are churches being targeted in these riots? We'll talk about that with the pastor of Vietnam Baptist Church, Philip Pham. And since 2014, at the direction of Chinese General Secretary Xi Jinping, China has been engaged in a global operation known as Fox Hunt. Operation Fox Hunt is just one of many ways in which China disregards the rule of law. That was the Department of Justice Assistant Attorney General John Demers yesterday. Asian expert and author Gordon Chang will be here with more on the indictment of eight Chinese operatives who engaged in illegal activity here in the United States, which is reportedly was designed to intimidate and harass opponents and critics of the Chinese Communist Party. Pray Vote Stand. If you uh, missed last night's uh, broadcast of Pray Vote Stand, you can find it at prayvotestand.org. Prayvotestand.org. Still resources there for you as we head into Election Day. Information on where the candidates stand on the issues, a party platform comparison, and other resources that you can share with your friends. As of uh, yesterday, we had a, a we took a poll here of how many of our listeners had already voted, and uh, about 75%, 74% had already voted. So most of you have voted, and I, and I trust the rest of you will vote, but all of you can encourage others to vote, and that's what those resources are there for, prayvotestand.org. Also, another resource coming up this Saturday, Daystar Network. Uh, so grateful for uh, Marcus and Joni Lamb, they're going to be airing the Freedom Sunday event that we did a couple of weeks ago out in Southern California. That'll air both Saturday morning and Saturday night at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. You can find out more by going to freedomsunday2020.com for more information. Okay, the 2020 election, presidential election, is less than a week away, and it, it, it kind of feels like we're back in uh, 2016. The polls being circulated show Donald Trump is down multiple points to Joe Biden and headed for a loss on November the 3rd. But, I mean, I think we all remember the surprise when Hillary Clinton was not President Hillary Clinton, when she was not elected four years ago. So why was everyone so surprised? It's not like many people were cheering her on. Well, for months we had all heard Donald Trump stood no chance and that the polling was the proof. Maybe we should be taking a second look at the polling being conducted in this election cycle. The question, are some pollsters intentionally cooking their numbers to give Democrats a significant lead for the express purpose of discouraging and suppressing Republican turnout? Joining me now to talk about this is Jim Lee, the CEO and founder of Susquehanna 
Polling and Research. I think I got that right. Jim, welcome to the program. You should. You sure did, Tony. Happy to be with you tonight. Okay, let me ask you this question. I'm going to start right at the heart of it. Is there bias in some of the polling for purposes of potentially suppressing voter turnout? There, there is, Tony. There is. Now, do I believe some polling firms are deliberately skewing the results with the hopeful outcome of suppressing the vote? I, I'm not prepared to say that's what's happening. That would be downright criminal. What I do think is happening, and this is happening to all of us, it's getting harder and harder to produce accurate polling. And there's many firms that refuse to believe that there's a submerged vote for Donald Trump that just is not registering in the polls. And when they get these surveys back from their call centers, and this has happened to us, and the results simply don't pass the smell test. Common sense is really what's needed in looking at polls. And you have a poll back. This happened in 2016 in Pennsylvania, one of the more reputable academic institutions of Pennsylvania, Franklin and Marshall College, Lancaster, PA, Ivy League School, showed Hillary Clinton winning Pennsylvania by 11 points, Tony, just three days before Trump's one-point win in, in Pennsylvania. Those are the polls that should never be released. So I think what's happening is these firms are deliberately releasing them with the intention of suppressing the vote. But I don't believe they're intentionally skewing the polls. That's criminal. But it is true that there's a submerged vote for Trump in a lot of our polling. And if you can't figure out how to adjust for it, you should rip the poll up instead of putting it out there. And that's what we're seeing is a lot of firms that are very questionable in nature putting out polls with leads for Biden. You saw it in Wisconsin, a 17-point lead for Joe Biden in a state that has been trending Republican in the last three election cycles is absolutely completely disbelievable. Uh, Jim, I think that's a very important distinction to make because even as a former police officer, if you're going to get a conviction, you have to have intent. So maybe there's not intent to skew the polls. And I I took enough statistics in college uh, to to know that you you can kind of, I mean, you've you've got to have a model that works and we've seen things change over, I mean, it's changing very rapidly, but let's take the last decade where people's, um, I mean, for instance, cell phones, doesn't that change uh, the way you reach people? The fact that you don't have access to home phones that much anymore, that's one element. But the hidden Trump support that you made reference to is a part of kind of that uh, – leftist intimidation that's out there, the media's attack on Donald Trump, where people are hesitant to identify with him with a pollster. And if you're not taking that into consideration when you're conducting polling, you're going to have skewed results. Is that is that an accurate assessment of what you said? It sure is. And we've been able to pinpoint in battleground states like Pennsylvania, Tony, and this, this happened to us, too. A few weeks back, we put a poll in the field, got it back. I compared Trump's numbers in uh, Western Pennsylvania, which went for him by a two-to-one margin four years ago. Two-to-one. These are This is a working-class, blue-collar area, lots of fracking, big on natural gas and oil production. This is an area that will be huge for Trump next week. And we got our own pullback. 
And it showed Biden hide with Trump there. And I said to myself, this is not right. And look, you know, pollsters make assumptions about how many Republicans to talk to, how many Democrats, how many people with a cell phone, how many people with a landline. When a pollster gets back a survey that just doesn't make sense, like to have one candidate winning an area that four years ago went two to one for another candidate, though it's mathematically impossible that everybody in this region of the state changed their minds, then don't release it. But instead, we're getting these garbage polls put out by firms that don't care about their reputations. Many of them are academic institutions, and you know, life goes on for them. They got their tenure. They'll put out a poll that shows a candidate winning by 10 and he loses by 10. Life goes on. For guys like me in the private sector, not so much. We put our reputations on the line, and if a poll comes back and it just doesn't make sense, Tony, don't put it out there. And I'm appalled that some of the polling just didn't being released now, showing leads for one candidate, particularly Joe Biden, in double digits in states that, that Trump carried four years ago. Absolute nonsense. I wasn't afraid to stand up and say something needs to change. The American Association of Public Opinion Research needs to crack down on these bogus firms and start sanctioning firms that don't come up with better technologies and techniques for how to do surveys. And, you know, some firms are putting out different sets of numbers, Tony. I saw one for a mom at the university polling in a lot of battleground states. They released a poll saying, all right, among registered voters, Biden's up by 10. Among this version of likely voters, Biden's only up by 7. Among this version of likely voters, Biden's only up by 4. What's that? It's a cover-your-butt poll. And mm-hmm. that's got to stop. That's got to stop. It, it, with with the changing, I mean, look, the landscape in America has changed. Culturally, it's changed. I mean, we've lost some civility, clearly. I mean, we've got rioting in the streets, you know, and that's associate. you got people going after Trump, saying things we had talked about earlier. And, and so you've got to work harder to get an accurate poll because you've got to you've got to adjust for those elements and you've got to dig deeper to get it. That's the, that's what you're talking about. It's your Folger group. Same thing. I've had them, uh, Tom, on the program talked about that as well. Uh, but I, I think you're on to something here. You're the first one I've heard say that, look, we've got to have a standard for this and we should have the American Association of Public Opinion researchers crack down on this. The other thing, uh, quite frankly, Jim, the media is the one that you know, allows these firms to continually do bad polling or, or at least allow release the bad polling uh, because it helps the narrative that the leftists in the media want to push forward. We ought to just have a list of after every election how far off these polling firms were. And, you know, and every time they come up with the next election cycle and start pushing out their garbage, just remind the American public where they were last time. Tony, you hit the nail on the head, and I'm willing to bet, and I'm on your show today because, look, I'm a small potatoes pollster in Pennsylvania, but I'm pretty sure I'm on today because you heard about a memo I put out a month ago taking on our liberal newspaper in Harrisburg, PA, for calling the pollster from Franklin and Marshall College a polling expert in one of their stories, the same guy that had Clinton winning by 11 points four years ago, and I had had enough. It was my tipping point. I fired off an email to the Patriot News saying this has got to end. How could you call this institution an expert in polling when they missed Pennsylvania so badly? And 
the chain of events since then, I think that memo got picked up and ultimately, I think, led to probably you finding out about who we are. We're just a small potatoes polling firm in PA that decided it was time to stick up for the industry. Well, you're one of the few, Jim, that. that... You're, you're one of the few, Jim, that's willing to stand up and say, hey, I, I think there could be some ulterior motives here because putting out this garbage polling, as you have uh, stated, what this does, and I know from being in the political world for like 25 years, it has the impact in some cases of suppressing turnout because people say, oh, what difference does it make? My vote won't matter because that candidate's so far ahead, when in fact we know that's not the truth. It certainly isn't the truth. And... In that memo to the Patriot News, I mentioned the impact of a poll that shows one candidate winning by double digits just days before an election. And how could we not say that's voter suppression? I mean, how dare they do that yeah. without some understanding of how methodology impacts polling? It's, there's got, there's, we need to change this. This is, this is happening too often. And I hope other polling firms out there will stand up and say this with us, even consultants. I'm disappointed in consultants that run campaigns uh, need to stand up and say this is this has got to stop. No one's got anything from this. This is dividing yeah, We them. need honesty. We need honesty in our polling. Uh, Jim, thank you for standing up and uh, calling out, and thank you for joining us here today on Washington Watch. You're welcome, Tony. Uh, Jim Lee, CEO and founder of Susquehanna polling and research. Okay, don't go away. Senator Ron Johnson joins us next here on Washington Watch. The rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increasing pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's Word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern-day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org slash humansexuality. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. 
What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I, I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So glad to have you with us. And uh, if you're listening to the previous segment, we were talking about uh, the polls that are skewed and being released for the purpose of discouraging voter turnout. That's why I say don't believe the polls. The only poll you need to believe is the results of the election day shaped by your vote. So make sure if you've not yet voted that you will be voting. Resources available for you at prayvotestand.org. Okay, we talked about this yesterday, but I wanted to talk about it again today because I think it's big and I think it's important and I think it has significant implications for the future of our country. That is the hearing yesterday in the Senate Commerce Committee with the CEOs of Twitter, Facebook and Google. Now, they came before the Committee on Commerce, Science and Transportation to answer for recent behavior regarding censorship. Now, you'll recall it was a recent New York Post article which was almost immediately blocked as it detailed the sketchy foreign business dealings of Hunter Biden, which uh, included the involvement of his father. Now, here's a clip of uh, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin that was asking um, uh, Mr. I think it was he was having a conversation with both Zuckerberg and Dorsey. Listen to this clip. Mr. Dorsey, I, th- I think the in- most incredible answer I've seen so far in this hearing is when Senator Cruz asked, does Twitter have the ability to influence elections? You said no. Did you stick with that answer that you don't even believe? Let's, let's face it, you all believe that Russia has the ability to influence elections or interfere by using your social platforms. Mr. Dorsey, do you still deny that you don't have the ability to influence and interfere in our elections? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, my answer was around uh, people's choice around other communication channels. Twitter as a company, no. Hmm. I'm still pondering that response. Uh, joining us now with more on this and the amazing news of the third quarter GDP growth um, that just was reported this morning is U.S. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Uh, Senator, welcome back to uh, Washington Watch. Well, Tony, hope you're doing well. Uh, doing quite well, thank you. Let me ask you, did you get a satisfactory response from Mr. Dorsey? No, not at all. And, I, again, I, what I was trying to point out, uh, I initially started asking all three, uh, can you just give me some estimate? I know you had chat rooms. I mean, some, some estimate of, of what the profile is, you know, ideologically uh, of your employees. I mean, is it 50-50 split between conservatives and liberals, or is it more like 90-10? And, uh, you know, Dorsey and Pakai wouldn't answer the question at all. 
uh, Zuckerberg at least said, well, we, we probably lean a little left. Um, again, they're not even willing to admit what we all know. And that's certainly the case in terms of Jack Dorsey, though. They're saying, oh, we, we can't influence elections. Are you kidding me? You know, they're, they're, what's so Orwellian about uh, what they call censorship, they call it their moderation policies. No, it's outright censorship. And obviously, obviously, if, if they believe and they're monitoring Russian disinformation and you know, pulling, pulling down uh, some of these false websites, which I appreciate they, they're doing that, but if they believe that Russia, with a, a couple hundred thousand dollars of, of ad spending, can affect the elections to the point where they're going to start taking down Russian disinformation, surely their censorship, the use of their own use of their platforms could also influence elections. And the fact that he would just deny that repeatedly is, is somewhat jaw-dropping. So what was your major takeaway from yesterday's hearing after listening to the th- big three in the uh, tech world? They're, they're in, you know, at least publicly, they're in a state of denial. Uh, they won't admit to the public they're biased. They won't admit to the public how they're completely unaccountable. And so what that tells me, we need to, we need to use government uh, to, to regulate this awesome power that they have assembled in terms of control of information and also using their monopolistic power to potentially block competitors as well. I, I appreciate the fact that uh, you know, we allow them to flourish, and that's a good thing. And I don't want to throw the baby out the bathwater, so I'm not part of, the, part of the group that thinks we ought to completely eliminate the Section 230 liability protection, but I think we really need to hone in on their moderation policies and hold them account- accountable. They need to be completely transparent when they do demonetize funds. I mean, they've become so powerful that – Businesses are, are structured around those platforms, and so they have the power to just eliminate a business overnight without any recourse. Right. I, think, I think businesses, but, I think the public should have recourse when they start demonetizing, when they start, mon- you know, their, their moderation policies need to be taken a look at. And, and I think central to that is the Section 230, which gives them immunity basically for their, their actions where people cannot take civil action against them for the decisions that they make. And I think people need to be able to take civil actions. They really have two forms of immunity. Uh, the, the, the immunity that when people post things on their platform, uh, I think they should remain immune from that or else you, you really are going to foster more censorship. They won't be able to let anything. So they'll be taking things off you right. know, left and right. But again, they need to publish those policies in terms of, you know, how do they how do they moderate content? They need to adhere to those policies, and then when somebody is subjected to those policies, you ought to have a right of appeal. And if they violated the policies, you ought to have the right to sue. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. So, uh, very quickly, do you think that uh, actions will be taken after the election to address this issue? I sure hope so. But you know, just like we've seen the divisive, divisiveness in in terms of partisan politics right now. You see the same division in, in the hearing room. The Democrats are happy to have them censor conservative uh, content. I mean, they, they were compo- completely opposed to this hearing. They're saying it's you know, totally inappropriate to have this thing just a couple of days before the election, whereas Republicans were, I think, appropriately talking about the abuse of their uh, protections right now, uh, as, as highlighted in the censoring of the New York Post story. 
Uh, very quickly, Senator, we're up against a break, but uh, the Bureau of Economic Analysis saying today the third quarter GDP grew by 7.4%, a record. Are you surprised by that? Not at all, and that's what the election ought to be about, is President Trump's policies will pretty well guarantee a strong economy. Uh, Vice President Biden, if he becomes president, let's pray he doesn't, would destroy our economy. Yeah, I think that we had such a strong economy that we were able to weather this uh, coronavirus storm. Uh, Senator Johnson, thanks so much for joining us today. As always, great to talk with you. Have a good day. Stay healthy. Okay, will do. All right, folks, don't go away. When we come back last night, third night of rioting in Philadelphia, and a church, Vietnam Baptist Church, burned to the ground. Was it an accident? We'll talk about it next. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? In this important season for our nation, it is imperative for Christians to pray. While we have a responsibility to vote for biblical values and stand for truth, our priority should always be to seek the Lord first. Each week until the election, FRC and FRC Action will host a special Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to equip you to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth. We'll have experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders join us for these half-hour programs that will help you see through the fog that's been created by the biased lenses of the mainstream media. While you're there, be sure to take the 2020 Pray, Vote, Stand Challenge and make a commitment to pray for our nation, vote biblical values, and stand for truth during this 2020 election season. To watch the broadcasts and to take the 2020 Pray, Vote, Stand Challenge, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Better yet, go to PrayVoteStand.org. Lots of resources there for you and your friends, family, and churches. In fact, uh, we've got uh, resources there in Spanish to be shared with our Hispanic friends so that they can circulate that as well. Comparison of the candidates, where they stand on the issues, and uh, the platform comparison of the two parties. All right. We've been talking about this uh, most of the week. Been talking about the riots that have taken place in Philadelphia following the death death of uh, Walter Wallace, 
who was uh, wielding the knife, coming at police officers. Uh, two officers shot him. Uh, I've talked about how I had some concerns over how that took place. Now over 30 officers have been uh, injured in what has been three nights of rioting and looting has taken place. Last night, uh, Vietnam Baptist Church in Philadelphia was targeted and burned by protesters. Uh, the facility is a, the church is a total loss, uh, burned to the ground. Joining me now is uh, Pastor Philip Pham, uh who uh, said that he was praying that one thing would be maintained above all the rest, and he said his prayers were answered when he went into the church. Pastor Pham, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, yes, uh, uh, my pleasure to be with you today. So, um, first me. off, yeah. yes, sir. Thank, first off, what were you praying would be salvaged and what was spared in the fire? Uh, this amazed me, uh, sir, when uh, I received the call from a church member reporting the fire by um, burned by uh, the rioters on the uh, fire trucks around in the church and the flame coming up high. And uh, at that time. Uh, as you know, that, that our church opened the door to serve the community as a community development center for the last uh, 20 years. And we saved all uh, community files and all the people's like, thousands of files, you know, immigrations, all the important confidential files in that network and the three hard drives. That, so I, my mind just uh, lit that up and uh, connect to the Lord and said, Lord, I pray. Please spare those hard drives because the building can recover, but the, uh, those information, uh, if it burned, will never be recovered. So uh, I, I rushed back to Philadelphia from Warminster as uh, I received the news, and I tried to make call for uh, other uh, church surrounding, uh, like church members surrounding the church, and they came out and they saw the flame and they stand there and fight out. Uh, when I came back and uh, the flame already pushed uh, out by the um, firefighters, um, and, uh, to be correct, like the church be burned inside, like total loss, but the, the building is not like collapsed. So I just want to let all the people know that um, the uh, inside was burned and destroyed. Um, here's the thing that when I came in the place and I talked to the fire marshal and I request that can you allow me to come in because I have three important items that need to be taken care of, and I would like to come in. And they said that no, this dangerous for you to come right now, and uh, it will take me like 10 minutes. So I stay outside and was waiting. And then um, the time which came out and reached to me, and then he said that we are making access to get in. But when it came into the uh, the place and uh, where the network and hard drive set, I was amazed that the all the models and the um, the routers surrounding that area was burned and melted. And, like, the the, drive, the hard drive just um, uh, set about, like, two feet uh, in the same, uh, same distance, but two feet from that, and all safe and spare from the fire. So I amazingly thank the Lord for that because our, our Father is an almighty God. And when he rented the power of the prayer, our, our prayer become powerful. So we thank you for that, and we are so thank you because our Father is a living God. 
So the as you had said, you had served as kind of a hub for the community. Those were documents uh, regarding the immigration paperwork. You were trying to help others yes. with taxes and even marriage counseling records. Yes. And so yes. all that was spared. Yes. Mm-hmm. What is there any yes. any idea, Pastor Fom, why your church was targeted for this? Uh, when I came back, uh, when I received the call and. Uh, um, Church members related to like uh, a friend have a witness like drove by and saw a bunch of like uh, young people in that alley uh, in the back of the church like uh, with a project up up uphill, and and he drew and he didn't concern anything about it to pass that and he when he came back the fire to start and then he called uh, his friend that you know, and he told that you know he saw people and then um, uh, the fire started uh, right after that. Uh, my church uh, receptionist left the church at six fifteen, so uh, this, the fire started about three thirty, three thirty-five, something like that. And then, and then I came back and I walked through that, and there one gentleman that passed me, and he said, that, "You know that they burned this church." So this, uh, I told him that you know I uh, and the pastor, senior pastor here. So uh, uh, he he walked from the outer zone where that they looted and they, they broke the auto zone door and that gentleman told me as I walked by, he said that you know, the riders that put the fire on that. So he walked uh, around uh, and then I came to I came to the fire marshal and told him the information about that I just over I heard from the guy from uh, from auto zone and also um, my church member reported that. And I asked mm. him why they, did they attack our church? I have no clue. I don't know why people done such a thing. Because we open a church yeah. to help the community. And why these people come to put fire on this roof of the church. Well, Pastor Philip, your church is not the only one that's been targeted. Uh, they've targeted churches around the country in these uh, riots. Pastor Philip, thanks for joining us. Folks. Are you looking to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your knowledge of God's Word? Family Research Council has a three-part series titled, Three Ways to Read the Bible. This series shares helpful ways to be encouraged and directed by God's truth by observing the text of the Bible and applying it to your life. There is no better time than now to get to know God through His Word by looking into the Bible to see what it says about itself, God, and humanity. There's no better time than now to begin devoting time to the Lord and to seek out His meaning for you. This blog series is a great primer on opening your eyes and heart to Him through the Bible amid the toils and troubles of today. Check out this helpful resource and learn how to read the Bible with not just your eyes, but with your heart and mind as well. To learn more, visit frcblog.com slash ways to read. That's frcblog.com slash ways to read. Since the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, Congress and many states have taken various actions to stop taxpayer dollars from funding abortions or the abortion industry. As early as 1976, Congressman Henry Hyde led the effort to ban federal funding for abortions. The Federal Hyde Amendment, named after him, established the principle that abortion is not health care and therefore taxpayers should not be forced to fund abortions. Despite these efforts, the abortion industry still receives millions of dollars each year in taxpayer money. In 2019, Planned Parenthood, America's largest abortion provider, received $616.8 million in government funds. 
Family Research Council's newly updated pro-life map tracks how your state has taken action to stop taxpayer funding of abortions. Go to frc.org slash pro-life maps to see where your state stands in the fight for life. That's frc.org slash pro-life maps. The rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increasing pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's Word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern-day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org slash humansexuality. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So glad to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com or PrayVoteStand.org. All right, um, before we move to our next topic, I just want to kind of wrap that up with uh, from Pastor Philip Fahm uh, there in Philadelphia. The, the reality is we have seen these groups that are rioting in the city. We talked about this yesterday, how... There are individuals looking for the opportunity, and as soon as the opportunity presents itself, they move in and start uh, the rioting. And if you've been with us for a while, we've talked about this on numerous occasions, how this Marxist agenda, which defines Black Lives Matter, um, Antifa, anarchist, that the church stands in the way. I mean, it's very, very similar to the French Revolution where they targeted the church. But the attacks on the church are, are this is not an anomaly. It's not a one-off. It is, it's a part of their attacks. I mean, we've seen attacks in churches here in Washington, D.C., across from the White House, New York, Connecticut, uh, Florida, Colorado, Tennessee, uh, Massachusetts, uh, California, Illinois, Indiana, uh, Portland, Rhode Island. I mean, just just about everywhere you've seen these riots, you've seen attacks on churches uh, in religious symbols. So not to be surprised here. Uh, and I, 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 just a word of warning, if, if, you, if, if you're okay with... Um, the rioting and the civil unrest and, you know, the torching of police cars and the looting of businesses, then just, you know, hey, vote Democrat. Because, I mean, that's what all of these leaders in these cities who have facilitated this by their complacency and their indifference are Democratic leaders. In fact, the Democratic mayor of Minneapolis is the one that really should be pinned with all of this. Because of he stepped back and didn't want to deal with the rioters at the very beginning, and he sent a very clear signal to the lawless looters around the country, hey, have a field day. 
If law and order is an issue to you, you better consider very, very carefully who you vote for. All right, speaking of lawlessness, the FBI and the Department of Justice have announced the indictment of eight communist Chinese operatives here in the United States. The investigation that has now spanned three years revealed China's Operation Fox Hunt, which sought to intimidate and silence opponents of the Chinese Communist Party here in the United States. And I don't know for certain, but it sounds very similar to what the senior fellow here at Family Research Council, Bob Fu, has been facing in Midland, Texas, where the those connected with the Communist Party have bust in protesters to his home, to his to his neighborhood. Now, this could be the tip of the iceberg of what is happening here in this country thanks to the Chinese Communist Party. Joining me now to talk more about this is the author of The Coming Collapse of China, Gordon Chang. You can follow him at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. Uh, Gordon, welcome back to Washington Watch. Oh, well, thank you so much, Tony. So, Gordon, uh, what do we know about this investigation? What else is beneath the surface here? What should we be looking for? Well, since about 2014, Chinese leader Xi Jinping has had what's called Operation Fox Hunt, and that is an attempt to force um, Chinese who have fled China um, to return, and they use all sorts of coercive methods. In this particular case, um, involving these eight indictments, five arrests, um, they were looking after an individual they said was corrupt, and they actually sent over his elderly father against the will of the father to try to convince the son to return to China to face 10 years in imprisonment. And the bargain was that uh, if the target would go back to China, well, then clearly the family would be left alone. Um, One thing that is important here, Tony, is that um, we have known for a long time that Ministry of State Security agents of China have been operating almost unimpeded on American soil. And, um, you know, until the Trump administration came in and started this investigation, it was open season on people living in the United States. So we've got to remember that the previous administration really allowed China to do what it wanted on American soil. Was there knowledge that they were here and operating prior to this investigation? Yes, everyone knew about it. We were talking about it um, because Xi Jinping uh, made a big deal of trying to get uh, people back into China. Now, he says that the targets are corrupt, quote unquote. And and these are uh, generally um, officials um, who have fled China. Now, yes, of course they were corrupt, but that's not the reason why they were being targeted. They were being targeted because they were opponents of Xi Jinping, because all Chinese officials, or virtually all of them, are corrupt. So that's not the reason. The reason is that this is political oppression, and the American administrations, especially the Obama one, allowed China to engage in this activity, which certainly a violation of American sovereignty. I mean, look, the long arm of China should not be able to reach into the United States of America, and that's exactly what has been occurring here. But as you said, the Trump administration is the one that launched this investigation and has, uh, as a result of that, these eight indictments, and as you mentioned, five arrests, three of the individuals apparently have gone back to, to China. Can we expect to see more from this investigation? 
I think that we can expect to see more investigations against uh, fox hunt uh, operatives because this is not the only one on U.S. soil. Um, so I, I think that we're going to see a whole new line of uh, prosecutions. And we really need to do that because um, we've got to tell the Chinese that um, they cannot violate American sovereignty. It's as simple as that, Tony. Of course, this is just one area where they were harassing uh, those that came to this country, but they're engaged in other activities. We've seen the Secretary of State calling them out. Uh, we've seen the president calling them out. Um, are, are you aware of any other types of investigations that are underway in terms of Chinese influence or Chinese illegal activity taking place on U.S. soil? I'm not aware of investigations, but certainly aware of other types of inappropriate activity on the part of Ministry of State security agents, as well as Chinese diplomats. So, you know, it's very well known that, for instance, Chinese students studying in the U.S. are monitored by uh, diplomats and by the Ministry of State Security. And we know that American academics who say things that Beijing doesn't like will get visits from consular officials. And so I think that in addition to not only the investigations, which I think probably are occurring, but we also need to say to the Chinese, look, you know, we closed the Houston consulate. We're going to close other consulates that are involved in this deeply inappropriate activity. Is there any other administration that has been this tough on China? You'd have to go back to Eisenhower for that. Um, and, and clearly, you know, we have seen a bipartisan failure. So it's not just the Obama administration failure. It's also, of course, the failure of the administration of George W. Bush, um, because I think that essentially what happened is, um, you know, China saw that Bush gave the um, Chinese agents a free pass. So they just became more bold during the Obama administration and acted even more openly. So this is bipartisan failure. But Trump said, no, I'm not going to have it. So we basically have a break in five decades of failed China policy, and that was because of the current president of the U.S. How close do you think we are in, in, in fundamentally changing this relationship and, and basically checkmating China's power and influence? Well, if President Trump is reelected, I think that we're going to see a continuation and indeed an intensification of uh, efforts to defend the United States. You know, just to take, take a simple example, um, you know, we've had all of these people uh, from China lie on their visa applications, and um, they get into the U.S., they have affiliations with the Chinese military, they steal our intellectual property, and then they go home. Well, you know, the Trump administration said, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this either. And so we have made it clear that anyone who lies about Chinese military affiliations or Communist Party affiliations isn't going to get a visa. And that's a really important step. And I just hope that um, if the president is not reelected, that the American people will put pressure on Biden to continue these policies, because we know that um, the current approach of imposing costs on China is the only one that's going to work. So, Gordon Chang, let me ask you this question. Um, let's say that uh, Donald Trump and his policies do not continue and we kind of revert back to the previous uh, Chinese policy. What, what 
are the long-term implications of that for the United States from an economic standpoint and a military standpoint, national security? Yeah, if we go back to the um, engagement policies, if we go back to the policies of the Obama administration on China, you know, we're facing um, an, ex- an existential challenge, which uh, the Chinese could win. You know, we always take it for granted that we will be free and democratic and we will be a sovereign state. But China's made it very clear that they don't think so. Um, and, um, you know, if we don't have an active defense on the part of the president of the United States, it's going to be very difficult for us. So that's why the American people are going to have to be especially up in arms um, to defend their sovereignty. Um, because if the president of the United States won't do it, then we've got to do it ourselves. So final question for you, Gordon Chang, in your in your pers- from your perspective, is China policy on the ballot uh, next week? I don't think, as a matter of fact, I don't think it is, and largely because we have a lot of media in this country that are not talking about some critical China issues. Um, But it should be, Tony. It should be the most important issue because China is engaging in relentless attacks against the United States. I mean, we can go through the theft of intellectual property, but we've got to remember that as of today, we had 227,000 Americans who have died from a disease that China intentionally spread beyond its borders. So, yes, China should be the number one issue. But because we have a media that won't discuss these things, in fact, it's not at the top of the list. Yeah, they, they, they don't have a problem talking about the coronavirus. They just have a problem talking about where it came from. That's the problem the media has. Uh, Gordon Chang, thanks so much for Thanks so much for joining us. As always, uh, great to have you on the program. Oh, well, thank you so much, Tony, for discussing these critical issues. All right. You can follow Gordon at Gordon G. Chang on uh, Twitter. He's one of the best when it comes to issues on uh, on China. And it is. It's amazing to me. You know, the, the, the media wants to hammer, you know, the issue of coronavirus. And we've talked about this, even to the point of, you know, kind of hiding the numbers, kind of like the pollsters. You know, they want to use a set of numbers that tells the story they want to tell. Uh, but it is the Chinese coronavirus. In fact, I had someone that I was speaking and I mentioned, you know, I was asked a question. I said, well, it's the Chinese coronavirus. And, and they kind of took offense to the fact that I mentioned it was Chinese. Where did it come from? It came from China. Um, and there's evidence that uh, certainly it was not dealt with once it was released, but there's some that believe that uh, it was intentionally released. Anyway, all of these issues are on the ballot next week. And the fact that, you know, we have a president who is standing up both from a, in a domestic policy, from a domestic policy standpoint and an international foreign policy standpoint, and saying no to the bad actors, saying no to what is not in the best interest of the United States of America. And, of course, that creates a dust-up because, look, you, you know, you remember what you, the old saying, takes two to tango? Well, for so long we've been unwilling to tango. We've just let people run over us as a nation. It was not America first. I don't see a problem with American first policy. In fact, it should always be that way. Because when America is strong, the rest of the world benefits. When we have policies that are in line with 
America's founding principles and ideals, we benefit here nationally, domestically, and the world benefits internationally. When we're strong and we're healthy economically, morally, you know, spiritually, as it religious freedom prospers, the world benefits from that. So this idea that, you know, we've got to continually apologize for who we are and, you know, we've got to remake ourselves in a global image that fits in with everybody else. No, I'm not interested in that. In fact, that is the recipe for the path that we were on of destruction. America, exceptionalism. Why? Those founding ideals and principles rooted in, yes, I'm going to say it, the Christian faith. We have to fight for those things. We have to stand up for those things. That is what is on the ballot next week. I encourage you. I implore you to do your duty as an American and fulfill your obligation as a Christian and vote and encourage your friends and families to do the same. You know, share that information that is at prayvotestand.org. Please use it. We've made it as easy as possible for you to have conversations with family and friends and coworkers about the importance of this election and where the candidates and where the parties stand on the issues. Pray, vote, stand. Okay, folks, until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.